little rough around the edges, but good. Heard about a job. Big shot gangster putting together crew. I'm a driver. And I'm a flyer. I waited a long time for a shot like this. If you come with us, you're in this life for good. You might want to buckle up, baby. give you some advice. We assume everyone will betray you, and you will never be disappointed. I got a really good feeling about this. Since when do you know how to fly? 190 years old? You look great. Push it! Hello, and welcome to another fan critical podcast it's a busy time for us here because there's been a couple of film releases today we're going to be covering solo a star wars story another star wars film excellent stuff uh was not expecting it to be um may so soon after last jedi and we get another star wars film but hey that's what it is uh spoiler warning we're going to talk all things solo we're probably going to talk a lot of star wars canon as Mm. well so um important to know that if you don't want to know any intricacies um don't listen but please do listen if you've seen solo it's going to be a fun chat because like the film uh it's very fun smugglers outlaws um i had a motley crew um sadly all died uh the only one i'm left with and if if i'm han in this analogy well uh, i mean well, that's obviously gonna happen if it? i'm han in the analogy the only one i'm left with is my good friend chewy john mccann i can't do it you had a week. <laughs> Literally, I said to you, one job. I can't do it. So, uh, John, solo, let's be frank. You were not excited about this film. No, um, no I wasn't. You voiced concerns at several uh, times. We did our hopes for 2018. You were concerned about this film, um, as were a lot of us. You've seen it now. We saw it together again. We love our little cinema trips. Mm, um, too much. What did you think? Be honest. Right. Without going back and, and listening to our 2018 expectations, I, I'm yeah. pretty sure uh, my thoughts were that it was going to be an absolute stinker. Yeah, shambles. Shambles. That sounds like the sort of word you'd use. Yeah. The trailers came out. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I mean, he looks all right. Alden. He yeah. looks all right. But again, he's not. He's not Harrison Ford. Fancy him. Well, he's not as much man. as Harrison Ford. Well, but... true, true. And do we need the film? No, of course we don't. We need definitely the film. don't need. The do film. not need it. Uh, and you reference the fact that fucking hell, like it was six months ago that we got a mega Star Wars film. Yes. And now we've just got these random spin-offs. Mm. Having said that, mm. uh, I had no interest in seeing Rogue One. Yes. And then when that came out and I saw it, I was like, Jesus, that was really good. One of the best Star Wars films. Yeah, I, my, I, <laughs> I think it's up there with Empire. Yeah, for me, Empire and Rogue One are my, my two favourites. Yeah, so the the consensus seems to be that uh, Rogue One is probably... I don't agree with this, by the way. Mm. But a lot of people seem to think that Rogue One is the best of the new Star Wars films that they've done, including Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Yeah, okay. We don't agree with that. Um, I can tell because you've just gone... <sighs> I, as I said, I I like Rogue One. I think it's up there for me as with, with Empire. Um, Force Awakens, on the other hand, 
I came out of the cinema with a better feeling, a better emotion, because it was such a surprise at how good it was. Mm. And I was expecting it to not live up to my expectations Fair. because the prequels were so bad. Fair. Um, so the emotion coming out of the cinema was completely different. Yep. But again, you could argue that you don't need that film. No one's going, no. well, hold on, but it didn't... How, how did they have the plans for yes. the Death Star? Yes. No so, one questions that. So this is an interesting point. Um, similar to you, Joe, I was uh, trepidatious about this film for several reasons, and we, we've, we've spoke about it in previous podcasts. But um, we don't, like you said, we don't need this film. No one needs the Han Solo backstory. Um, however, uh, it was extremely fun. So having said all that, do we need it? No. Uh, was I looking forward to it? No. Did I think it was going to be good? Absolutely not. <laughs> so, Starting well. This is going well. So the expectations of me going into this are low. Yeah. Very low. And he's a negative man. I mean, if you've listened to any of our previous <laughs> podcasts, he's the negative one. Um, Came out of the cinema. Fucking hell. I, I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed it. Yeah. I thought it was great. I mean, you were laughing a lot. Yeah. Uh, generally, like... But little, like, Star Warsy things. Yes. And, and uh, the overriding um, theme in, in the feedback of this movie is um, some people don't like uh, how <clears throat> the prequels and uh, potentially Last Jedi as well um, came away from, like, the, the stuff that you love about Star Wars. The fact that... Um, I mean, this is more about the prequels where you've got loads of like shitty CGI. Mm. Um, and then when they redid the originals yeah, and just stuck in just crappy CGI characters. yeah. Now, when they were going to start doing Star Wars again, yes. they said they were going to go back to like real stuff. Yes. You know, puppets and, puppets, and things like animatronics. that. Puppets, animatronics. Exactly. Uh, this, I think Solo probably does that better than any of the Star Wars films since. Yeah. Um, since The Force Awakens, um, some of the characters had me in tears. Um, just hilarious. I, like, I was, how, like, yeah. shitty, like, crappy little alien <laughs> things. You're thinking, like, what is this? There's one in particular where, oh. um, and we'll, I guess we'll, we'll go on to it, mm. but, I mean, it's not part of the plot, but no. there's, uh, there's a singer, and she's got oh a wonderful voice. Oh, my God. Uh, and it's, like, a duet, a duo, if you will. And, uh, so you got this girl, and she's like, oh, la, 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 la. and then her partner just comes in, great like schmaltzy, jazzy kind of. And it's just a head in a jar. Fish in a bowl. Just, yeah. What's that? Oh, I was in tears. Oh, just God. so funny. Yeah, and you are right. Like, the authenticity of this film, it feels very Star Wars. And we're seeing an area of the galaxy that we haven't seen before, this underworld that is always teased. You know, we always focus on the Empire or, you know, the demise of the Trade Federation or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's nice to finally see this sort of underbelly of corruption, of crime in a Star Wars universe. Mm. And, and, and like you, John, you know, we... We don't need this film. Um, we referenced Rogue One earlier. I think Rogue One makes A New Hope better. I think the fact that you know about all of the effort that went to get these Death Star plans, it enhances the story of A New Hope for me. I, I was like, wow. Speak shout. No, it does. I, I think it emotionally... The net, When I watched A New Hope after watching Rogue One, mm. 
it was a better film for me because I knew everything that had gone on there and the sacrifice that people had made, that Jin Erso had made, all these characters. Now, I think I think Solo, by the way, uh, blew my expectations out of the water because I was not excited. This is the least excited I've been for a Star Wars film. Yeah, which is fair. Uh, which is fair. Um, you know, even the prequels, I was a bit younger back then. I, I was, you know, a bit naive. I was very excited for them as well. Yeah. Um, so to go into this Such with no... misplaced excitement. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, but to go into this with no excitement um, and then to come out, and I said to you, it was really good. Yeah. Like, it's the most fun I've had at a Star Wars film for maybe since The Force Awakens, I think. I don't know. Like, I just really enjoyed it. It was, a, you know, the set pieces were great. I thought Aldrin Emmerich as Han Solo did a really good job. Yep. I liked his mannerisms, his little cheeky grins, his little looks. The only negative I'll say is that for me, whereas Rogue One enhanced A New Hope, this detracts from A New Hope, I okay. think. Um, mainly because my main criticism being that, that A New Hope, you know, is not just about Luke Skywalker. It's about Han Solo and how he stops becoming the selfish smuggler mm. and also then you know has this uh, you know, that that turn where he comes back in a new hope and helps Luke out. Yeah. That's his character arc. Mm. Now it's not a, as big a deal if he's already done it in this film. Yeah, that is bizarre. So he's done it already. You see so so other than that I which I don't understand uh I think it's a really fun film. Mm. But it, you know the, the only thing is Rogue One enhances New Hope. This cheapens it for me a little bit and cheapens the arc of Harrison Ford's uh you know interpretation of Solo. Well look, I, I guess the, to play devil's advocate there though. Um the plan is to make what a trilogy of of solo films. What do I think about that? I think for me I mean, th- this a, is a lot of that will hinge on performance. 100%. I mean, I can understand the Hut clan. We're going to go see a bit, maybe see a bit of that. Well, think of the ending of this film from yeah. the start. Yeah, it's them, you know, going off to, to see the huts at Tatooine. Yeah. Um, I do think, okay, there is scope to do a trilogy of solo films. Do I think we need them? No. This was a really, really good film. Really fun. Mm. Had a great time. Yeah. Don't need to see it again. I think they're going to cross over... Kenobi and uh, and Solo. Well, that stories. Hello, that would be. Well, I think that's that'd uh, be interesting. Thinking of the end of this. Yes. Certain characters that are introduced. Yes. You have to close the book on that character. Yeah, and we'll come on to Kenobi later because, well, we know for a fact that the Kenobi film is happening. Mm. Um, as is the Boba Fett film. So, guys, if you want backstory, I mean, Boba Fett one is one I actually want because he's such an unfleshed out character, a fan favorite character that. Well, he, we know he, nothing he's about. He's an interesting one because why is he interesting? Like he's just a cult but, character, mate. Yeah, but why though? He um, looks cool. Yeah, that's probably it. He, yeah. he picked up like a cult following when the films originally came out in the seventies and the eighties. Like an in joke. Like, yeah, oh, it is. this this guy's good. Well, why? What's he done ever? Well, that's right. And now well, we're going to well, see. He's done stuff. Oh, he's, don't worry. Don't you worry. He's done stuff. Yeah. Um, so, John, at this point, I'm just going to go. We're going to do the blueberries up front, guys. And the blueberry rating scale is this. Uh, we rate all films out of five blueberries. Uh, you cannot give a half. Um, very harsh scale. Uh, John, what are you going to give Solo a Star Wars story before we go into the recap? I think I'm going to give it... Um, I think I'm going to give it a four. Four out of five. And that is surprising for me because, as you said, you had no expectations. You were worried. You were, you know, very worried. But again, like, if... Um, look, it might have been one of those that if before seeing this, people have been like this is unbelievable, this is the mm. best. I might have gone there and gone, I'll oh, fuck that, and just 
giving it a free just yeah. to fuck them off. Yeah. But look, um, I enjoyed it. I, I there are there's lots of standouts. There's lots of um, uh, things that made me laugh. There were lots of things that I thought looked really cool. Um, I think some of the performances, are, you know, quality. Yeah. Uh, I I genuinely would want to see it again. I'm not going to go to the cinema to see it again, but. I do want to watch it again, and I'm intrigued to see where it's going to go. Mm. So if you tick in all those boxes, yeah. then, hey, look, fair play. Yeah, and I'm going to echo you again on this. Uh, four out of five for me. I mean, I'm not going to give it a five out of five. I gave The Last Jedi, Last Jedi sorry, a five out of five. Um, and that, that is a divisive film. Very though. divisive film. Because uh, um, I agree. I think I gave... Did I give it a five yeah, out of five? Yeah, you gave I'm pretty sure yeah. I did. I mean... It's very divisive. Obviously, we've we've learned since in the weeks and months since Last Jedi. It's a very divisive film. Well, that that is a film that's you know people are giving it zero or one out of five just out of spite. Yeah, it's pathetic. Yeah, just because it doesn't maybe tick all of the traditional Star Wars boxes. Yeah. Um, damn them for pushing it in a new direction. <laughs> I want to see the same thing over and over again. Yeah. No, sorry, that's my opinion. Um, but no, this film. This film was fun. I had a great time at the cinema watching it. And sometimes it's nice just to go to the cinema and not have to have the sort of, uh, I don't know, dark, you know, darkness that surrounds some of these Star Wars films. You know, it's it's nice. It's a fun film. Yeah. Uh, So I'm going to go four out of five as well. Um, So I think we should uh, jump into the recap. Before I do the recap, I uh, just want to say uh, thanks for listening to this. And if you are enjoying this, or if you haven't already, please subscribe to our channel. We are fan critical. We are on iTunes, any podcast app, or Spotify. And we want to say thank you to Zimbio, who recently put us in their top 20 sci-fi and fantasy podcasts. Zimbio is a big social platform on the internet. They cover lots of sort of entertainment news and all that sort of stuff. So to be recognized by them is really good, really good and great. Really and, good and great. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know... We want to thank everyone who's been listening to us so far and sort of uh, really helping us along. We enjoy getting together and talking about films and uh, then reporting back what we think to you guys. Um, We cover loads of other things like Westworld, Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, Black Mirror, all event films, Avengers Infinity War, Deadpool 2, etc. So if you are enjoying this or want to hear any more of our content, please do subscribe. There's a subscribe button on the website or just search for us on any of the platforms. Thanks, guys. And uh, back to the recap. So let's kick off with the film. Uh, we're going to do sort of a... We're not going to go scene by scene because it's a film and it takes ages. Yeah. And, and I think what we're going to do is we're going to touch on significant beats of the movie um, and give our thoughts on it from, you know, I'd say me and you are probably the, the two most educated members of Fan Critical yes. in terms of Star Wars. Correct. And just in general. Um, no, but Star Wars, definitely. <laughs> um, so we open up with the film. Underwhelming opening, in my opinion. Mm. I'm going to say right now, they got rid of the crawl... Yeah, which is fine. That's fine. Like, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away text. And then it goes, oh, the underworld of the galaxy. Solo. Solo. I was so, just, what the I was, fuck is that? That was a bit like, that's a yeah. bit weird. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't... Okay, when it started, I have to say I was worried. Slightly. <laughs> um, however, in saying that, the, the planet of Corellia and this sort of underworld that you're introduced to and... Uh, you see straight off the bat Han and Kira. Kira played by Amelia Clark, who is excellent in Game of Thrones at times. At times she wavers towards a bit of the wooden wooden sort of um, spectrum. She's really good in this film. Yeah. Off the bat, I'm just going to say it right now. This is the best I've seen Amelia Clark act. Probably. Yeah, probably, yeah. 
I can't think of a better film that she's that she's that she's been in. Well, no, I mean, but... some scenes of Game of Thrones, she can be absolutely dynamite. I mean, the other big film that she's been in was Terminator, Terminator. and that I mean, was dreadful. I've, I've not seen it. Um, it's dreadful. I mate. want to see it. Don't wa- don't watch it. I mean, if you yeah. love Terminator, just watch one and two and stick to that. Yeah. Um. So we see Han and Kira off the bat have this sort of relationship. Han is literally at this point like just a petty thief working for one of the best creatures I've ever seen. <laughs> Again, Again. Like, this is what I'm talking about, where you want like those stupid Star Warsy characters. Yes. Yeah. I, when I tell you what, when Lady Proxima rose up out the water, I looked at you and I we were just in hysterics. I, I couldn't stop laughing for about five minutes. It just was brilliant. brilliant. So good. Um, played by Linda Hunt. No way. Voiced by Linda Hunt. <laughs> I mean, it's just bizarre. It gets more bizarre as we go on. Um so basically, Han and Kira are pining to escape from Corellia, this horrible planet, similar to like Luke and Tatooine and, you know, and Ray and, you know, Jakku and all of these places. They just want to escape. They've yeah. got a vial of coaxium, which we learn is a very important word. Remember the word coaxium. You're going to need to think about it a lot <laughs> in this film. Um, and they have enough to sort of get get transport on a ship or bribe their way onto a ship and get out or, or get out of this world, this horrible world that they're living in. Yeah. Um, Proxima sends her goons after Han and Kira. Uh, and Han is able to escape, but Kira is trapped behind, um, which I thought was good. Yeah. Uh, you know, at this point, the opening has saved itself, in my opinion. Yeah. As soon as we saw Proxima, I was like, yeah, good. Mm. And it's nice to see Han with a romantic foil that isn't Leia. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, <clears throat> he had a life before yes. A New Hope. Um, and he's supposed to be a bit of a scoundrel. So oh, he is a scoundrel, isn't he? Yeah, so you'd imagine he's, you know... He's, he's been around, is what we're saying. Yeah, he's buffed plenty. Yes. He's, um, uh... Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I like that. Uh, he seems a bit of a pussy at this point. Um, yeah. But he's saying the right... Aldrin Emmerich's performance here, he's saying the right things and he's doing the right things. I don't know what it is. Something about him. He's charming. He yeah. charmed me in this film. Mm. <laughs> um, you've charmed now, me. Now, you, you've charmed me. Uh, one thing that I will say that did annoy me, and this is the lowest point of the film for me, so be aware, listeners, I'm going to tear into this bit. Okay, cool. I'm intrigued. Were you annoyed that he got his name... From a fucking recruitment officer for the Empire. I'm sitting there going, come on, man. No way. That is cheap. That Mm. is so cheap. Han Solo, oh, you've got no family. We're going to call you Solo. That, I'm sorry, that for me was just like, no, not liking that. Yeah, I mean. Um, It's cheap, John. It is cheap. Yeah. It's like they could be fucks. I can see what they're going for. Um... Terrible humour. Didn't work. Well, look, I mean, The Godfather Part 2. And I'm oh, not, God. I'm not comparing the two, but, you know, Vito Corleone, mm. he gets his name, his mm. famous name, the Corleone family. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's not his surname. His name is Vito Andalini. Spoiler. But he gets... If you've not seen Godfather 2, <laughs> fuck off. Um, but uh, he gets the Corleone name because an immigration officer... Uh, just looks at where he's from and yeah. just goes, yeah, that'll do. Your name's Vito Corleone. So you think, oh, what an absolute bastard. I'm not saying this is a reference. Mm. I'm not saying they're Probably paying is. paying homage oh to The Godfather Part 2. But um, I can see what they're trying. Um, I, I wasn't that annoyed about it. Um, 
to be honest. Uh, it would be funny if you sort of found out his name was like Han, I don't know, Schmiegler. Oh, you think, God. what is that? What a shit name. Uh, just, um, I, just, I just wanted something a bit more legendary from his beginnings. I understand that he is a, he's a nobody at this point. He's a, yeah. literally a nobody. He's, you know, he may have all the skills necessary in the future or to become this great general that he mm. eventually becomes. Um, Han Rogue. That would have been a cool name. That is a cool name. Yeah. Well, sorry, but... Well, this is the problem when you entrust <laughs> name decisions to the fucking recruitment officer. Yeah, oh, you're on your own, yeah? You're a bit oh. of a rogue, aren't you? Well, we'll just, yeah, uh, Han, Han rogue. rogue. Yeah. Cool. Good point. Yeah. Um, so, interestingly, we learned from this that Han enrolled in the Empire. Yeah. I think I did know that. I think I knew that as well. Um, but what annoys me, I want to see more of that. Yes. I want three to... Three years later. Three years later. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. It sounds like I've been negative at the moment. And we're not because we actually really enjoyed the film. But there's a couple of things here in the setup which really annoyed me. Um, uh, well, this film is a slow burner for me. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of the beginning where if... I could see people being lost immediately, 15 minutes in, and just thinking, I'm not enjoying this. Mm. And then just being negative throughout the whole thing. Mm. Um, or maybe it rescuing itself enough to get like a three out of five or something. Mm. But um, it is weird in an origin story where a guy is already in what? He's probably early 20s, I guess. Yeah, early 20s, yeah. Um, that you would then go, right, he joins the Empire and three years later. It's like, oh, Jesus, man. I want to see Han in the Empire. Yeah. I want to know what's going on there. I mean, yeah. um, and to be fair, though, the scene that we do get thrown into is this really cool sort of World War II-esque battle where the Empire is trying to take over a planet. Yeah. Um, loved it. Mm. Saw a lot of that in Rogue One, saw a lot of the warfare, saw a lot of the sort of more nitty-gritty elements of warfare, warfare not just like space battles. Yeah. Um, this was wicked. You had like the at-at, like Walker, yep. like jumping in and there's like people getting absolutely destroyed left, yep. right and centre. Yeah. Looked cool. Trench mm. warfare, loved it. Yeah. Um, Raw. Want to see more of that, please? Mm. Um it doesn't have to be a hand story. It could be anyone's story. I just want to see more of that. Um, but he meets up with uh, a couple of people who we, you know, know at this point are sort of infiltrating the uh, the Empire forces. Yeah. Um, and it's get Woody Harrelson's character who is excellent mm. in this film. Beckett. Uh, yeah, Beckett. Uh, he he's just a great actor. Every time he's in a film, um, I can't think of, I can't think of a bad film he's been in, John. No, I mean he's he's just got that he's just grizzled now. He, he's grizzled in everything he does. Yes. Um, and he is a man's man. Oh, he is certainly a man's man. Um, couldn't see that coming when he was in White Men Can't Jump in 1992. No, I'll be honest. But yeah, look, he's uh, he's great in this. I think um, and well cast to be uh, Han Solo's mentor or, or Han Rogue or Han Rogue. Um, yeah, he's mental. I think yeah. I think that was well well chosen. Yeah. Um he tries to infiltrate this group, they reject him and they get him imprisoned. And yeah. this is where we Fuckers. get Yeah, well, you know, they are outlaws. <laughs> um this is where we get the um the first meeting of Chewie and Han. Yeah. Thoughts, John. Right. I have one issue here. Oh, go on. Are they saying that Chewbacca was eating people before? <laughs> it looked that way, mate. It looked like he was literally eating people. That is disgusting. I didn't think Chewbacca ate humans. I mean, I don't really know much about his diet. However, I would assume that he would eat anything, to be honest with you. Uh, but 
I mean, that sort of ruins it for me a little bit. I mean, it is a family Chewbacca film. Chewbacca is like, yeah, but he's like the lovable Wookiee. Now, now, if someone said, well, before he joined us, he's a cannibal. <laughs> he's not a cannibal. You don't eat cannibal if he's in uh, Sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, that you're correct there. Well, you said he'd eat anything, so maybe he has been eating Wookiee. <laughs> Mate, it's, you know, if you're not, not getting... eating anything that hairy. No. But um, that is mental. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh yeah, throw him down there. Well, how long is he going to last? I well, love he's going to beat way, him to death and then eat him. I love the way that's your biggest issue. So that's a good thing. Uh, if that's your biggest issue, I know that the rest of it's kind of okay, right? Well, yeah, and also he looks very smelly. <laughs> now, very muddy and disgusting. What, right? Chewy? Yeah. Well, yeah. He's hairy, mate. Have you, sort of looks have you ever like... owned a dog? No. Right, well, I can tell you something. As a man who's had several <laughs> spaniels... <laughs> When you let them loose in the fields, <laughs> they get muddy, mate. And they yeah. got a lot of hair, okay? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair. Are so... you feeding your dog's human? Uh, no. But, yeah, I just... Um, he looked kind of like a swamp monster. Yeah? Um, I like that reference. Good. Yeah. Even his movements are almost like... So, um, interesting point. Oh. Not played by Peter Mayhew this time. Yeah, that is um, true. Well, he's played by uh, Junus Suatamo. Yeah, who interestingly is actually seven foot tall. Well, it says six eleven here, but I mean, know. I mean, I'd round up. What's an inch, eh? What's an inch? Yeah, yeah, that's all. Um, that. Yeah, um, he's younger than us. Is he? Well, he's younger than me. Oh, he's he's a year older than me. Oh, so, right. well, that's depressing. Guess the age. The next segment on the podcast. <laughs> no, um, but no, I really like this meeting of uh, Han and Chewie. Um, I thought it was quite sweet. I thought I bought it. I, I, you know. I did think that from earlier discussions, there was some sort of life debt mentioned um, in previous films, like Chewie owed Han a life debt or something, like he saved his life. Um, So if we ignore that and assume this is their first meeting, obviously, I was a bit surprised by it. But I liked it. I didn't like Han talking Wookiee. I felt that was a bit silly because Chewbacca speaks... English. Understands English, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It'd be funny if he spoke English. That'd be a fucking. Well, why runaway. doesn't he try? Why? Have... Why doesn't he try? Well, I don't know if they have the uh, capability. capability to do it. No, good point. Biology. Uh, this is the new biology in Star Wars. Um, Who are podcast. you? Oh, fuck <laughs> it! I'd walk out. I would. I would walk out as well. Oh, do you know what? I didn't mind the uh, Han Solo speaking Wookie. Oh yeah, I quite liked it. Oh nice. Oh, I mean, because um, uh, I, I think what he's. Yeah, I mean, he could have just gone, oh, please don't kill me, you big hairy thing. Yeah, goon. Like, and he's like, look, he's just thinking, fuck it, I'm just going to eat him anyway. I'm starving. <laughs> I'm starving here. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's uh, he's obviously gone, well, now, hold on. Look, I uh, I like your culture. I respect your culture and your people. Yeah. And he's like, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah. He speaks, uh, he speaks Wookiee. Yeah, and, and it was a nice meeting. Um, and the plan to escape, and they escape, and they they find Beckett's ship, mm. and uh, the bromance of this film starts. And I, I will say, Chewbacca for me might be the best thing about this film. He's up there. I don't disagree. I, I think I, he. I love him. Yeah. But I love him in everything. Yeah, and and the sort of although we're led to believe the sort of uh, the sort of emotional beats of the film are all around Han and Kira. Yeah. I kind of think that, and I you know my personal take on it is the fact that this film is more about the bromance between. Chewie and Han. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that sort of really creeps up on you in a way that, you know, you're not really expecting. So it's quite, it's very pleasant and I, and I love all of their interactions in this film. Yeah. I, I have no issues with any of them. I I love the dialogue between them. I love the sort of chemistry between the two guys. It was a <laughs> guy and the Wookiee. Yeah. Um, really good. So they escape on Beckett's ship. 
and they go and try and help on this job. And this job is to, remember that word I told you all to remember, coaxium. Coaxium, um, yeah. They have to steal a load of coaxium, uh, which is quite coolly on a cool space train thing. Um, so the set piece here is excellent. Yep. And just a bit of context for the group of smugglers, by the way. Um, Tandy Newton's in this, mate. I know. Like Now, so we've got the group of smugglers. I, saw, I, I knew she was in it. I forgot while yeah. I was watching it. Yeah. And then, so, we've got, so you've got Beckett, who's the leader. You've got uh, Durant, who's the forearmed thing. Oh, is that what his name is? I think yeah? it's Durant. Durant. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we've got um, Val, who is like Beckett's wife slash squeeze. I don't know what else to call her. What? She's a, she's a, is she a squeeze or is she a wife? Squeeze, I think. Squeeze. Okay. Um, no, no, she's it's his wife. It's his wife. Okay. <laughs> um, and they're the, the sort of crew, and then on top of that, you've got uh, Chewie and Han now, and they need to steal the coaxium um, to sell to Dryden Voss, who is uh, sort of lord of this crimson dawn syndicate of crime yeah um we get this amazing set piece here now two questions one why are they transporting the coaxium by a train when they could just fly it there yeah it's weird isn't it? weird but let's ignore it because it leads to a proper western set piece yeah yeah in a space western now it's been a while since we've been able to call Star Wars a space western, mm. this is it. Yeah. The, the western elements in this film, from Beckett and the use of his cool blasters, which are like revolver blasters, yeah. um, to Han sort of adopting that sort of technique as well later on, and this sort of train heist and the sort of outlaws you know, on the run, it's wicked. What do yeah. you think, John? This whole set piece, still in the coaxium, give me your thoughts. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? Um <clears throat> Well, look, I mean, Han Solo is like the original space cowboy. So uh, I guess it made sense for his first kind of major set piece in this movie to be so kind of Western. Completely a Western set piece. Um, The train on the sort of gravity rails rotating side to side, the outlaws trying to steal the coaxium. And then you've got an extra group coming in, the marauders, the pirates, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. who one of them was just like a predator, just predator, mate. Yeah, just put predator in Star Wars. But um, look, it, I mean, if I was going to be, you know, uh, a marauder, mm. I'd want to look scary, mm. clown mask or something. Then they have clowns in Star Wars, but well, they should have. They bloody should do. Um, but this whole set piece is excellent, um, visually stunning, um, and action-wise, I really cared about the characters. I mean, when Durant, you know, bless him gets shot and dies. That's actually quite a touching moment, um, actually. Because mm. he was quite like a, a witty, fun character. I was a bit surprised they killed him off so quickly. And Val. I mean, that was mad. I but... mean, I mean, Tandy Newton, I mean, if, you, if you're not watching Westworld at the moment, um, please do, because she is phenomenal in Westworld. Yeah. Um, one of the best things about the show, and it is an excellent show, and we cover it. <laughs> so, you know, if so facto, listen to the podcast. <laughs> But um, yeah, she she dies as well. So so Beckett loses Val and Durant here, and then all he's left with is Han and Chewie. Mm. Um, obviously, they fail to get the coaxium, um, and they have to go and speak to Dryden Voss. Now, I've got a small issue. I I just can't see Paul Bettany as a villain, John. I struggle. Uh, I I think we're going to massively disagree on this then. Okay, because. Arguably, Paul Bettany is 
one of the best things about this film. Wow, that, I, I generally did not expect you to say that. That's interesting. I love having these sort of uh, conversations. Well, yeah, because, like, do you not think he plays it with... Uh, do you not think he's he's genuine? Like, uh, he he has something quite menacing about him. He's mm. not... He's not like a wooden kind of, I'm a corporal and blah, blah, yeah. blah. Um, not to, you know, not to shit all over your ginger mate from... Uh, Dominic Gleeson. Yeah, Dominal Gleeson, Dom, sorry. Dominal Gleeson. Yeah. My, um, my lookalike. He, he is quite... He's acting within himself in the Star Wars films. Oh, 100%. He's, he's very, a caricature, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it would have been easy for, for Bettany to go in, in that route, I guess, or down that route. Oh, yeah. I don't think he does. I think he's quite. I mean, he's he's capable in terms of um, hand-to-hand combat, mm. um, but also he just looks quite menacing. And when he speaks, he's quite menacing. He has that thing where even when he's being friendly, you you're quite scared of him. Yeah, like he has this aura on screen. I think yeah. I, I thought he was great. And okay. um, funnily enough, I mean, he was quite a at like a late casting to the film. Well. Because well, uh, Ron Howard brought him in, didn't he? Yeah, so very interesting point. And we haven't mentioned this point. that The film, you know, has no right to be this good, to be honest with you, because of the um, immense difficulties they've had with it. So um, Lord and Miller were originally signed on to be the directors of this film. Uh, Lord and Miller of Lego movie fame, 21 Jump Street. Literally very good comedy writers. Yep. Le- if you haven't seen the Lego movie, go watch it because, wow, it's just hilarious and brilliant and great um they dropped out because apparently they wanted to do too many risky things with the film kathleen kennedy was not happy with this um they were out ron howard brought in ron howard had to reshoot 70 percent of the film yeah this has made han solo a star wars story the most expensive star wars film of all time brutal 260 million dollars cost now it will easily recap that so it's not a problem yeah but um it's just amazing, you know, when you look at this film, it does not look like a mishmash of styles. Yeah, I what agree. You're, what you're saying about Paul Bettany is very interesting because originally the guy who played Omar in The Wire was the main villain of this film. Oh, really? They shot everything with him. Jesus. But Ron Howard wanted to reshoot. Omar was not available. I can't remember the actor's name, sorry. And he brought Paul Bettany in. So interesting. You are right. He is a Ron Howard edition. Um I just can't see past Vision in Avengers for me. Um, I don't know. Paul Bettany is that character now. He's Jarvis. He's Vision. I find it very hard to find him menacing. But hey, difference of opinion. That's what I like. I mean, I'm gutted. So Michael K. Williams. Yes, that's the one. Um, I'm gutted that he was cut from this. Yeah, now now you see in what could have been John. Well, no, because I mean, Bettany does a good job. Mm. Does a great job. Mm. Um. I'm not sure what. I mean, it'd be good if if uh, if he was playing like, let's just call him Omar. I like I like calling yeah, him Omar. Call him Omar. Omar. Um, be good if he was playing some sort of like alien character. Yeah, he was. Apparently, the uh, he had a lot of makeup and all that sort of stuff as well. So it's interesting. But aboard the yacht, to continue the recap, aboard the yacht that Dryden Voss sort of spends all of his life on. Mm. We get Kira again. Uh, she has risen through the ranks of the crime syndicate Crimson Dawn to become one of the most higher-ranking <clears> lieutenants <throat> in Crimson Dawn. Yep. Um, and Han, Beckett, Chewie and Kira bargain with Dryden Voss to say, look, we can get the coaxium again. We can go to Kessel and we can get the coaxium, take it to a refinery and Bob's your uncle, you'll have all your money. Sorted. They're sorted easy. But then they're like, wait a minute. 
the amount of time that you need coaxium is a very volatile substance basically we understand that you have to within moments of removing it from its containers or whatever you have to get it refined within you know like an hour or something otherwise it blows up very inconvenient very inconvenient but very good for storytelling yes yeah very, very good for action pieces yeah. so like oh no one's been able to do that sort of kessel run oh in that sort of time oh yep. that was good fun yep. um so they need to assemble a team and they need to get a ship because they don't have a ship yeah we know where this is going <laughs> <laughs> Now we head to uh, to find Lando Calrissian, played by Donald Glover. How? <laughs> Why are you laughing? Yeah, no, because it's just the struggle with Danny Glover and <laughs> Donald Glover. <laughs> I've had a problem with that before. Yeah. Um, thoughts on Lando, John? Thoughts on Lando? I think he was brilliant. Yeah, I, I, and I guess the consensus for from a lot of people is that he is great. He's also he's childish Gambino and, and he's decided that at the same time that this massive movie that he's going to be in playing a key character that he's going to release this song called This Is America which has been massively controversial mm. but has really put him in the limelight and yeah. he's he's hit two, two two home runs in the space of about two weeks and he's already immensely popular yeah like yeah 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 so I guess um, the spotlight is is on him. Um, I have one minor complaint about his performance. Go on. And this minor complaint has actually spilled into quite a a major issue with Star Wars fans. Yes. You know what they're like. Mm. Um, and that's fine. Look, if you're that sensitive about hey. the material, you are going to be like, this is mine now. And just to reference the fandom, we obviously cover Game of Thrones, we cover Star Wars, probably two of the biggest fandoms I can think of. Yeah. Um, and we're probably more passionate about, say, Game of Thrones, and we don't agree with all of the stuff that they do. But, you know, at the end of the day, we love it. Yeah. Fandom can be very fickle. Yeah. Fickle. Uh, and and good and bad in, in equal measure. And people aren't wrong for having their opinions. Yeah. Um, some people just view the property as very precious, and that's fine. That's absolutely their prerogative. Continue, John. Anyway. So, um, <laughs> so I, I thought he he played it well. I think he has. He, Lando has charisma, um, mm. and Donald Glover has that in spades. You know, yeah, I mean he is a charismatic guy. Um, you have to be to be a great actor. But well, sorry, I say great actor, a good actor, good actor at this um, stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, you know, <laughs> a very good recording artist. Yeah. Um, it's not like he's Mark Wahlberg where he's an all right actor and a terrible. <laughs> um, but the main issue I guess that I have is that he does seem a bit, um, his performance to me, it felt like, all right, so he's got this thing going on with a robot. What's going on here? And then I thought, well, uh, is he supposed to be gay or is he supposed to be bisexual? What's going on here? Interesting. And then, uh, that then became a thing outside, uh, of the film where, he was asked about Lando's sexuality. And I don't know why that's important, but um, it's it's come up. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're now saying that he's pansexual. Um, and uh, and Donald Glover said, well, look, uh, how can you not? How can you not be pansexual in space when there are so many things that you could fuck? He doesn't good, say it like that, obviously. Good, but, good point, though. Um, it is a good point. But I guess... I don't know, like maybe it'd be more acceptable to the, the Star Wars fans if in the old ones they saw Lando getting off with like a blue monster or something. Yeah. Like, oh, all right, yeah, he is a bit like that. 
Mm. Whereas I guess they've always seen him as quite a straight edged yeah. <laughs> character where it's now like, oh, yeah. the younger version of him would fuck anything, including robots. So. Uh, and you got to think like Lando, he's a flamboyant character. Like he was even flamboyant, I think, in the original series. Obviously, they meet him at a very dark time. You know, Empire, probably the darkest mm. Star Wars film. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to see his backstory, you can understand how he's this, like, hotshot, like Han. This hotshot who is, you know, slightly more advanced in his evolution than Han is at this point. And, like, he's admired. He's, you know, done loads of successful jobs. He's got loads of capes. He loves his capes. Yeah. Um, and I thought Donald Glover brought just every... He nailed Lando. Like, as in, not, <laughs> <laughs> not like that. That'd be weird. Yeah. But no, he... he the portrayal of Lando was excellent. Um, we also meet L3, uh, who is his robot, who you referenced earlier, his robot, who uh, interestingly has a sort of interesting plot point where, you know, believes that sentience in robots is something yeah. that hasn't actually really been touched on before, weirdly, in um, in something like this. And I yeah. guess with films like Blade Runner and stuff like Westworld and all of these other amazing sci-fi... Robot rights. Robot rights shows... Um, I think it's really interesting that they brought that into the Star Wars universe. So that's just something... Why did they do that at this stage? Very good point. Um, maybe it's something that Ron Howard saw that maybe hadn't been touched on. And I think the thing is with Star Wars... But it's, but it's almost been crushed now because... Yeah, maybe. If uh, if this was the start of some sort of robot civil rights thing... Yes. And we're saying that this is about 50 years before The Force Awakens, I guess... Uh, Gotta be. If it's, it's about like, 40, 50 years. Yeah, 40, 50, 50, 50 years. years. Yeah, you're right about yeah. timeline wise. Um, then what? Nothing happened with that because we know that robots are just knocking about as. Mm. I mean, they're quite. Uh, certain characters are quite fond of their robot companions, but they, are, but they are still. They're still underlings. They're still tools. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's an interest. I think it's an interesting plot point, and maybe I one that I hope gets explored a bit more in the Star Wars yeah, universe in the because L three trilogy. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> The backstory no one needs or wants. Um, so let's uh, talk about Han and Lando's first meeting uh, and the game of Sabacc. So yeah, the famous game. The that famous. You would think yes. Led uh, to believe that that is the game where uh, Han Solo beats um, Lando, Lando yeah. and takes his takes his ship. Takes his the Falcon. Takes Falcon. And we see yeah. the, and we also see the dice. Let's just reference the dice quickly throughout this film. Yeah. Dice very important. Obviously seeded very strongly in Last Jedi and only ever seen before that in um oh, New Hope, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. very interesting. But the the game of um Zabak that they play it's all going very well for Han. It's kind of Casino Royale esque. Yeah. So Casino Royale. <laughs> so Casino Royale. Um but obviously Lando being Lando. He's a little cheat, isn't he? Cheating bastard. He's a little cheat. The thing about Lando is he's all he's all chat a lot of the time, isn't yeah. he? Not much action. No. Um but you know, Han loses because Lando cheats. They still, you know, enroll the help of Lando, offering twenty five percent of the cut of the job. Yeah. So they get the Millennium Falcon and we get the amazing introduction to the Millennium Falcon, which has additional parts, obviously, mm. because at this stage the Millennium Falcon is brand spanking new. Yeah. Uh looking fantastic. Looking Has he got a spoiler? Got like a little spoiler. Yeah, it's back. got like it's got everything. It's got this it's got blue uh, light. It's, it's got the uh, like, blue paint. It's got the escape pod. It's got like the extra compartment. It's yeah. got everything going on. And then they go to Kessel. On Kessel, they get the coaxium. Mm. They have a good break in scene. Another good set piece. And and a kind of another really interesting thing that we haven't seen in Star Wars for a while. A big revolution like L three talking about yep. sentience and freedom, uh, releasing all these slaves. This horrible slavedom on Kessel, like. 
you know, mining this coaxium. I mean, it's just, it's quite a nice change of pace for the Star Wars universe, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, There's also some hilarious stuff that happens there. As you well. love extras um, and you love creatures and all that sort of stuff. So I know you were chuckling your little head off. Oh, it's just like when, when it all kicks off and they overthrow them and you've just got the robots just going mental and you've got the little thing just stamping on the keyboard for some reason. <laughs> I, I almost smack my drink if we <laughs> Uh, it's just uh, you know what is this like <laughs> but wait a minute we we both agree we love star wars for that reason oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah more yeah. of that please yeah yeah more absolutely. of that please yeah. um as they're escaping before they uh embark upon the kessel run uh l3 sadly doesn't make it john i know um sad in a way now you made a good point when we were watching the film which was that uh same thing happened in rogue one yeah we're getting the death of these droids. Um, don't quite, do that all the time. Don't do it all the time because it cheapens it a bit. Yeah. I mean, the K the K one in um, Rogue One for me was more yeah, poignant. 100%. That was gutted. Be- that was beautiful yeah. scene. L three, sadly, you know, doesn't make it, and the, the relationship between her and Lando is a good one because, uh, like you said, John, there's a bit of a romantic element there to mm. it as well. Um, even if not from Lando's side specifically, but from her side, definitely. Um, and it was sad for him to lose his, you know, it's like Leia losing 3PO. It's like, you know, it's yeah. it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was quite a nice touch that they could um, upload her into the navigation system of the Falcon. Yeah. Keep her alive in some way. And that's, you know, maybe another reason why the Falcon is such a coveted and impressive ship. Because said that she had a great navigation network. Well, yeah, but then there's also something quite heartbreaking about that. In the so when Lando does actually lose the ship to Han. Oh yeah, good point. He's fucking taking away like his best mate. Yeah, good point. Slash love interest. Very good point. Potentially. Very good point. Fuck anything. Yeah, Jesus. Well, that's what he says. That's yeah, what he said. He said uh, quote just to quote uh, Donald Glover. He said, "How can you not be pansexual in space?" There's so many things to have sex with. I didn't think that was weird. He's coming on to everyone. It just didn't seem that weird to me because I feel like if you're in space, it's kind of like the door's open. This thing is literally a blob. Like, are you a man or a woman? Who cares? Fuck it anyway. <laughs> quote. That is actually a quote. Yeah. Um. So they, you know, the coaxium is slowly eroding, eroding and about to explode and vaporise them all. Um. And they have to do the Kessel Run in a certain amount of time. It's convenient. <laughs> Unfortunately, because of the rebellion, now the Empire showed up. It's quite... Now, visually, I have, rebellion. To, I have to say this. Visually, this is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, The Falcon through this sort of tunnel void, the Kessel Run. Mm. The lightning just reveals a Star Destroyer. Yeah. And these TIE Fighters flying at them. Uh, it was visual Star Wars porn at this point. Mm. Um, what do you think about that set piece, John? And then we get the weird squid creature as well. What do you reckon about that? Uh, but again, I like that because, yeah. you know, you, I mean, it's fucking massive. And I, I think this... The, the Kraken of space, we should call it. Yeah, but something's got to be said for that, not just trying to kill everything. It could Why eat the it whole just, planet. Just knocking about just in space. <laughs> just like, what does it eat? How does it live? Does it make sense? What's it eating? Questions. Do you know what I mean it's not like anyone's going? Well, you know, obviously you've got this empire to deal with, and obviously that big massive monster that keeps eating spaceships. Mm. No, no one ever mentions it. Yeah. Uh, weird, but fucking scary. Yeah, the Kraken of space. I'm going to call it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, Visually, that, it just it's just all great. It's just Star Wars yeah, stuff, isn't this it? This is like, Star Wars. This is what, what we want. want. This is what we want. I mean, you've got the gravity well as well, which is like black hole. Visually, this is amazing. You've got yeah. the light and the sort of the, the the dark and the sort of you know, in terms of the colors and the, and the vistas and them trying to escape. I mean, I was just sitting there going, "This is brilliant." Don't and they it, do the same thing in Empire? Where they're escaping from that big thing. Oh, but that's just a cave, and a little worm pops out of it. I know, but no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not complaining about yeah. it. It's, it's, you know, well, maybe Han, because it is Han. That's yeah, it's Han. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe you should be like, oh, this would be fine. I dealt with like some massive squid monsters, like a hundred times the size. What an empire is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Re- just reshoot that scene with Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, like um, this was great, and not only at the same time you've got these amazing visuals going on, you've got Han and Chewie giving sort of great banter their relationship burgeoning even more like he's like oh wait how do you know how to fly 190 years old <laughs> you look, Again, gr- you like look if, great brilliant yeah. brilliant 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 yeah. sort of interactions and if Chewie them. would have said that in English it would have been great wouldn't it oh god I'm 190 years old <laughs> how fucking hell did know you could speak English um, so it brings us to the finale of the film because obviously they do the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs so well rounding down Rounding up. Oh, he rounds down. Rounds he? down. Yeah, he rounds down. Yes. Good point. Yeah. Um, they get to the refinery, waiting for Dryden Voss there, um, and the Marauders turn up again. Um, and the Marauders reveal themselves to be the beginnings of the rebellion. Now, this is interesting. Um, I wasn't expecting that, John. No, I have to say, and it kind of makes sense that you have these marauding groups sort of running the same sort of lines as the crime syndicates yep. that will eventually become the rebellion because yeah. that's how rebellions start you know last jedi you know famously and you know people didn't like it the way that they sort of mentioned as regular people can be in the rebellion or whatever all this sort yeah, of stuff yeah, yeah. interesting plot point carried on here i actually really really liked it yeah it was uh, uh look i didn't see it coming I, I rather enjoyed it but the start of the rebellion also has what davis yes Yay. um <laughs> You he is actually playing the same character that he played in, in Phantom Menace. Yeah, in episode one. And yeah. you you were in hysterics, mate. I but I just love Warwick Davis. I'm not yeah, gonna go at him. And he had one line in it, I have to say. Me and you both, you know, we've watched a lot of Warwick Davis and Carl Pilgerton wandering around in their little show and stuff, and uh we know that he works so hard at these lines, mate. You can just tell the delivery so like I was just sitting there, I was in, I was in tears. It was yeah. making me chuckle. Was he but... Just sitting on the side of a ship, just sort of dusting it down. Or yeah. Anything? So interestingly, it's not the only Phantom Menace connection. We'll come on to the other one in a bit. But um, oh, um, but it's interesting that he's the same character from Phantom Menace who was just sort of like helping in the pod racing. Mm. His character's name is Weasel. Yeah. Um, and he's in the beginnings of the rebellion. Good on him. I know. Yeah. Good on him. Yeah. I'm proud of you, Warwick proud of you not only an Ewok but also well, he, he bet on Anakin as well didn't he he did bet on Anakin yeah, yeah. maybe that's what got him out of the shithole yeah well there you go there you go um, so basically the situation changes the coaxium is needed for the rebellion to sort of kickstart their rebellion essentially this will fund them finally being able to maybe try and start something to take on the Empire mm. yeah um, bit of marketing oh nice um, basically Dryden Voss turns up uh Han tries to trick um, trick Dryden Voss into thinking that the coaxium isn't real or all this sort of stuff and basically try and give the coaxium to the rebellion. Yeah. It all goes pear-shaped, mate. Beckett comes in. He He's ratted Han in. Beckett's betrayed Bastard. his Padawan learner, yeah. as he would. Standard. Um, but Han 
is one step ahead of the game. Mm. And he's learnt from Beckett and realised what Beckett would do and subverted all our expectations. Yeah. Absolutely done in Dryden Voss. Kira kills Dryden Voss. Interesting. Bit mad, that. Yeah, but she's been studying this ancient uh, Jedi martial art. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called, fine. but they, they, she's been studying it. And yep. so is he. It's quite cool. Yeah. Um, and then Han has to chase down his former mentor with Chewie because Beckett has taken Chewie at this point. Mm. And this is where we get a very int- a Western draw, a Western draw scene, another Western influence scene. And I think we can finally put to bed the argument of who shot first here because there's a definite reference to it right now. Mm. Han, 100% shot first. He shoots Beckett in the middle of some sort of speech it takes everyone by surprise. I couldn't yeah. believe it. I didn't yeah. think he'd done it at first. <laughs> and this is the learn. This is where Han realizes: look, sometimes you got to get dirty. You got to like, you have to do certain things that you don't want to do. Mm. But if you're going to be the scoundrel that we all love and know, you're going to have to take people by surprise. You know, cheat, trick your way out of situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you? Okay, that surprised then, you, right? Yeah, and I really like that. But then, uh, I I then have issues with the Sabak game at the end. Yeah. Um, but we'll come on to that, I guess. Yeah, we'll come. We'll come on to that. Um, yeah, look, I really enjoyed it. Um, Han is supposed to be like a bit of a scoundrel at this point. Yeah, um, anti-hero. He's an anti-hero. Absolutely, and um, it, I guess uh, some of the issues that you had right at the beginning of this, mm. in that he has his arc quite early. Yes. Um, too early. Um, Very early. Now. I don't have a problem with how this film has gone if there are more films. If there aren't, then there are some major issues. Um, because you're hoping that he becomes a bit of a bastard. Uh, I hope something happens in the next, to him. In the next yes. few films, yeah. He needs to have, and I, I have a downturn. A, I have an early prediction. Go on. Um, related to you know his his muse at this point and, and her direction. And what that would mean for him and his disdain for the force. Yeah, good point. Um, but we'll get on to that. Yeah, and I think, well, well, let's mention Kira now. So Kira, after killing Dryden Voss, sort of promises Han she'll follow after him, does not. Doesn't. Calls the leader of Crimson Dawn. And this is when I turned to you and said, holy shit. Yeah. Could not believe it. I'm Speechless. glad I was not spoiled by this. Yeah. Um, Darth Maul is back. <laughs> Anyone who reads the comics or has seen Rebels, uh, the animated series, will know that Darth Maul lives. Um, He has a very interesting story, a very ridiculous story, but a very interesting story that happens after Obi-Wan slices him in half Mm. in Phantom Menace. Um, John, I'm going to tell you that story. Go for it. Because I have to say... It's ridiculous and brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I, I know most parts of it. But for any of our listeners who don't know the parts of it... Um, Go for it. This will be very interesting. Yeah. So, um, you know, Maul, chopped in half by Obi-Wan Kenobi during the Battle of Naboo, presumed dead, a crazed and cybernetically augmented Maul went into exile for over 10 years. Basically, he used the dark side of the Force, the energy of the dark side of the Force, to survive. His hatred of Obi-Wan Kenobi kept him alive. Um, and then he basically found some robot legs, put them on him. Bob's <laughs> uncle. That is, that is literally what happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, his brother found him because uh, 
his brothers, you know, was looking for him. Yeah. Uh, Maul set out on a quest for revenge against Kenobi and the Sith because he was angry at Sidious as well. Yeah. Um, bringing together a criminal alliance that included the Pike Syndicate, the Hut Clan, the Black Sun, and the Death Watch of Mandalore. Uh, Mandalore mentioned in this film. These are all de- uh, crime syndicates mm. that basically exist in the universe. Yakuza not, re- yeah, not really explored in the films until now. Um, having become a minor threat to the designs of the Sith, Sidious captured and imprisoned Maul. So Sidious being the Emperor, basically, he's had a bit of a rough time. But his hatred for Kenobi inspires him further. He later becomes a shadowy leader of Crimson Dawn, which is where we are. Now, we didn't know that until this film. So it was kept secret. We didn't know in the animated series or all that sort of stuff. Um, He's had several battles with several Jedi. Eventually, he learns that Kenobi is on Tatooine. And he goes there to confront him and finally have his revenge. Kenobi kills him. Um... And uh, before Maul dies, he says to Kenobi, are you guarding the Chosen One? And he says, yes, I am. Because they have this sort of intimate connection, Kenobi and Maul. Obviously, Maul killed Qui-Gon Jinn, uh, Kenobi's mentor. Maul has been chasing Kenobi for all of these years throughout the Clone Wars, everything like this. Um, So it's very interesting. They have this intimate moment together and uh, Kenobi admits that he is guarding the Chosen One, which is actually a lie because he's not... Anakin is the chosen one but at this point Kenobi in that story does not necessarily know so so Maul has a very interesting story that happens after he gets chopped in half I want to see more Darth Maul please yeah I again uh I'll I'll echo all of that speechless I, I could not believe that they have reintroduced Darth Maul um it feels quite brave to do it but it's made me a lot more interested in where this will go. Yes. Um, and like how they're, I guess, planning to bring a lot of the animated series to, to the film, like to, to the big screen. And it was always a concern uh, in the animated series and the comics that um, bringing Maul back like this was a bit of a risk and no one thought they would actually go there in terms of live action stuff. No, Make it actual not. canon. Yeah. Uh, now it is actual canon, guys. And... I'm pretty certain that, you know, Maul and Kira are going to be the next protagonists of the next film. Yeah. I mean, or antagonists or whatever. Like, um, you know, I think we're going to have a Han and Maul showdown at some mm. point. Uh, very interesting. I mean, Maul would destroy him. Mm. Maul is extremely powerful on the dark yeah. side of the force. The, the only reason he lost is because Kenobi is probably arguably the best Jedi, apart from Yoda, um, since Mace Windu. Mm-hmm. So and Mace oh, Windu was only defeated because of the Emperor. So and we we hate that scene. So I don't want to even get into that. Scene. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I mean, Solo, brilliant fun. John, have you got anything else to add on this film? Please let me know. Um, no, look, uh, as I say, like the um, the ending there is just uh, so good. Um, you, you want a film to end. You you want a film to surprise you at the end. Hmm. Not go out of its way to just have a twist for the sake of having a twist. Yes. You know, this is, um, I guess, the the pull for Kira um, to uh, want to continue to be in this crime syndicate and, I guess, to be um, Darth Maul's apprentice. If yeah, you maybe. Um, but why not? Like, if, if you've been like so low and you've been you've been like you've done horrible things anyway yeah 
Like maybe that is your path. And yeah. um, I guess uh, the interesting things here for me in, in why Han Solo would be so like, oh, the, the force is all mumbo jumbo, is that, look, maybe there is a, a, a bit where he has to kill Kira later on in the series. Mm. Um, and his he refuses to believe that Kira was, uh, I guess, corrupted by the force. Yeah. Uh, or uh, by the dark side, I guess. Um, he's just no. She was evil, and that's why I had to kill her. Yeah. Um. So so maybe he's 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 uh, struggling with something there, fighting with with his emotions later on in mm. the series. But yeah. um, I think we can be pretty confident that the Kenobi movie, if it, if it's a singular, Ooh. It, it won't cross over. Kenobi won't meet Solo. No. Um. But they will cross over I, in stories I'm- and. Uh, if I had to predict, I would say Solo kills Kira. Kenobi, we know, kills Darth Maul. Correct. Um, so, yeah. And, it makes and I, sense. I think that, that scene title, would be... Tie it all together. And that scene would be very powerful. Like yeah. I said, like... The, the only issue I'd have is... Uh, and, and not to have a go at Ray Park, uh, who plays Darth Maul, um, he's not that good of an actor. Mm. So well, I can't imagine... Well, voiced by someone else. So acted... Well, he used to be voiced by Peter Serafinowicz. Yeah. But, uh, but I don't know if he still mm. voices him. Um, I'm not sure how that scene would come across in in a film where he's lying there saying, you know, he's kind of making his peace with the fact that Obi-Wan has the chosen one and part of Darth Maul's rage with Kenobi is kind of overruled by the fact that Darth Sidious kills his brother. Yes, exactly. um, When they try to to take him on. So I think there's there's so much there that is like, fucking hell, they're going to cover all of this. Yeah. Um, Well, they might get get some decent Maul action in the next one then. That's yeah. what we're hoping. Yeah, and Donald Glover will, you know, fuck some sort of blob. Blob. Yeah. Uh, Proxima, Lady Proxima, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think that's a good place to leave it on. Um, guys, thanks for listening to our uh, ramblings. There are usually five of us, but luckily you had the two expert Star Wars fans talking mm. to you today. Um, if you have enjoyed this, please do subscribe, share. All of that jazz. We're on iTunes, any podcast app, or Spotify. There's a subscribe button on our website, so if you're watching via there. Just hit the subscribe button. It will take you to whatever app you use for podcasts, etc., etc. Thanks again to Zimbio for putting us in the top 20 sci-fi and fantasy podcasts. We yep. really appreciate that. Aiming to get up that list. We want to get in that top 10. We yeah. do want to get out that top we, 10. We want to get yeah. in that top 10. So uh, I think we, I think Potterotica were just ahead of us. That's fair, though. Yeah. I mean, weird, that's it? weird, isn't it? I need but, to get on that one. Yeah, get on that one. Um, but yeah, thanks, guys. Your support is excellent. And uh, we're very young as a podcast, but um, we're very happy for everyone that listens to us. And we're very appreciative. So thanks very much. Uh, John, I want to thank you for being with me, my Chewy, my co-pilot for this. Uh, better, better. But, you know, you've had a week and now an hour and you still haven't got it. But, you know, oh, well. next year. Just insert a yeah. one from the thing. No, yeah. I'm not doing that, mate. Um, and I've been uh, your host, Len. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we have some good content coming up. More Westworld. Uh, you know, we're going to be continuing any event films that come out. We're unsure on what yet. Maybe Jurassic World. Who knows? Mm. Maybe. Um, I hope not. Probably is probably going to be garbage. But thanks for listening, guys. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, may the force be with you. Yeah. See ya.